It goes by many names. The Crisis, The Dark Years, The Walking Plague, as well as newer and more hip titles such as World War Z and Z War One. I personally dislike the last moniker as it implies an inevitable Z War Two. For me, it's always been the zombie war. While many may protest the scientific accuracy of the word zombie, they'll be hard-pressed to discover more globally accepted term for the creatures that almost caused our extinction. Zombie remains a devastating word, Unre- uh, unrivaled in its power to conjure up so many memories or emotions, and it is these memories and emotions that are a subject of this book. Boom. Boom. What book are we talking about? All right, so we are talking about the book World War Z, not the horrible movie with Brad Pitt where he infects himself and somehow becomes a zombie with cancer or something. I'm not going to say that. So the beauty of this book, which is written by Max Brooks, is that it, it – and I'll make this very quick. Hey, before you get the summary, who right, are we? Who are we? Oh, I'm sorry. Good. We are the Drinklings. So the, we, have been, we have been sequestered. Maybe. <laughs> We've been sequestered. Jenna just brought a dog in the situation. Oh, yeah. We We've been talk sequ- about how we're talking to each other. Right. So we are on Zoom, which is why this is going to go bad. Um, I've already cussed out Kessler three times. My and, dog uh, in the intro. Right. That dog is actually looking at me right now in an angry way. Because I know that's the look I saw in my office. So we're doing. <laughs> that didn't help, Kessler. So, so the book. So the book itself. She's mad. Go, Kessler. The the book itself is based it's based on a zombie apocalypse, which we all understand that. But the beauty of this one book is uh, what Max Brooks did, and this is way before what we're going through right now, which we'll talk about with the Drinklings um, later on, is that it is uh, it was it was created because the the main story, which is not a spoiler, it's in the very beginning. It's a guy who is sent by his boss, by the UN, to find out how many people have survived the zombie apocalypse. So the zombie apocalypse is done. It's over. And he's sent to go find out all, like, like the, the census itself, how many people's last. So he shows back up and he's like, yo, I got all these numbers. I got all this information. And his boss, she's like, I just needed the numbers. I don't care about the information. Just give me the numbers. And he goes, well, what about these stories? I got these really cool stories about this. And she goes, well, then write yourself a book. Write your own book. And that is, even though it's a fiction, obviously, it's, it, it's that story that he added all these stories. And every chapter is, is created in a way to, to build upon it from the people he taught. So you have, the, you have uh, warnings at the, the first chapter. You have Blaine's second chapter, which we'll get into because we have this shit going on now. You have the Great Panic as well. Then the next section is Turning the Tide, Homefront USA, Around the World and Above, Total War, and Goodbyes. Those are the gist. But within all of these are like three or four page stories of people around the world that he found stories which tie into each section. Can I jump in here? 100%. How do I flip my screen so I'm not backwards? How are you backwards? I'm backwards. You're y- y'all are looking fine. Am I, am, I, am I looking fine for y'all? Yeah. In fact, okay. yours is much We're more clear than Matt. Oh, okay. see Matt. Okay. I, I don't want to judge how you look, bro. Like, I don't have that opinion. I just thought I, just thought I needed to switch like, my screen. No. I mean, it might, it might help. 
So <laughs> yeah, we should put this on YouTube in case the viewers want to we'll see just, our homes. We'll just remind uh, the listeners here that we are zooming this uh, podcast. Uh, I mean, it's all you know in the spirit of uh, global pandemics, whether they be zombies or COVID nineteen. So we are being socially distant in this podcast. We're doing it right. We're doing, We're doing right. it right. Yeah. I've also got Turtle Beach doves. So all you gamer nerds, these are Turtle Beach $150, not gloves, Turtle uh, headphones, Turtle Beach all the way. Please continue. Okay. Um, so, oh, what is, our, uh, what is our featured drink? Well, let's go with that. I have, because I'm keto... I have Corona Premium, which is 90 calories and 2.6 carbs and tastes like complete shit. Okay. I have Corona Extra, and it says it's limited edition. I don't know what makes it so special. Um, I have a Corona Extra that Jason gave me. She borrowed from me. Because we're neighbors. <laughs> and so I walked up, and I gave him something in return. A Southern Pecan. What's that? Beer. And he's going to drink tonight. I'm supposed to drink that later. Southern pecan. It's tasty. That's all I had. I was like, i got to give him a beer in exchange for the beer. So. I mean, I, I don't mean this in a dirty way, but there are many things you can get better than that. I mean, that's terrible. Hey. Hey, ordinarily, that would he be did, cut. But I was eating those. So. That would be cut, but um, oh, we're not going to have that capabilities. So <laughs> That won't be cut. Um, so yeah, so we should talk about because what if somebody's listening to this podcast and it's like 2080? We need to contextualize our current moment. If it's 20, all right, if it's 2080, listen, I understand you're hiding in a fucking bunker right now, <laughs> trying to survive like in the goddamn road by Carmick McCarthy, Mark, whatever his name, McCarthy. Carmen. He doesn't know how to act. Ooh, that's a pretty name, Whatever his name is, he doesn't know how to do dialogue. Stay in the bunker. Yeah. Don't open it up. Don't John Lithgow and Cloverfield uh, Lane 2018 fall. No, that was John John Lithgow. No, that was that was John Goodman. Yeah. yeah anyway. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, so for, for um, the future, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. The month it's July 26th. We've been quarantined since March, some amount of time. So like four months. Five months. Thereabouts. Five months. Five months. Um, so yeah. Oh, also I never mind. Zoom just let me know, by the way, as You're a I wonder if we can get oh, ad for like money for this. But I just got an ad from Zoom pop up that says we can be on here as long as we want. They used to have a forty minute time limit, but now we can be on here as long as we want. So Look if you want you. To sponsor this podcast, Jennifer eight nine two at gmail.com. <laughs> um, very good. Um, so what so, I mean, I oh yes, yeah, so let's let's take a drink. Right, but well, let's take a drink. No, all right, Matt. I I got you. I got you. It's horrible. It's not bad. I love Corona, but this like no well, calorie you, Corona. I uh, I squirted some lemon juice into my Corona Extra, so it makes it. it it's actually quite refreshing, mm -hmm. but. It's been sitting here on my countertop for half an hour as I was waiting for the two of y'all to get your act together. One of us. So it's motherfucker. Little, I just got home like a second ago. Like, what do you want me to do? 
when I jumped on, y'all started bitching because my camera was like, doo, 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 doo. I don't know. What do you want me to do? I'm doing the And the technical difficulties bit. are real with yeah. this work. Okay. Exactly. So, top line, what is your reaction to World War Z? You know. So, um, Matt has been teaching World War Z for three or four years. And I have not read it until I have been forced for this podcast. He's been saying, you need to read World War Z for like four years. And I'm like, yeah, I probably should. So I didn't. And then now I did. And I now know why I didn't. Because it's, I have this personal rule that if a book frequently names types of guns, helicopters, boats, or other things, like with numbers and letters, I don't want to read it. And this book names a lot of guns, boats, helicopters, and types of machinery with numbers and letters, and I can't hardly get past that. So, so you're not a Call of Duty fan, just throwing not at all. So, okay. not my reaction is you didn't like it. I didn't like it. That I mean, I understood it why we picked it for the podcast. I think we'll have a lot to say about it, but I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, my top line reaction is, and again, we'll get into this in the, our second act here, but um, it, would, it just read, I mean, it read kind of dry to me. Um, it reminds me of something like a John Grisham book. I don't know if you're familiar with John Grisham in the, in the year 2080. I don't know if you even know who John Grisham is. Jurassic I mean, Park, how dare you? That's the, not John Grisham. No. John Grisham wrote. Michael Crichton. Yeah. John Grisham, The Firm and The Pelican <laughs> Brief and whatever. Hey, I don't, I don't already know. Okay. Well, you're not missing anything, is what I'm saying. Yeah. The, the, the granular sort of detail of the narrative, the voice just wasn't there for me. And that's what Agreed. I tend to read books for, is to, for the voice. And it just wasn't there. Man, top line. <laughs> Um, well, I, I taught it because it was a weird situation. I've always wanted to teach it and I taught it though. I have taught it before, as Jenna said, but I taught it actually, uh, this spring full on in 1102 class in English and it coincided. It was the last text that I taught and it was exactly when all this shit went down and my students got so wittered out that they thought that I conspired to create the coronavirus just to make my class better and that is not a lie they told me that but saying that i do love it i love it it's just that, didn't they make fun of you didn't you say something like your students were like and of course you named it corona like that was part of why they thought it was you well, that was posted on our, our website. Because it was named after a beer. <laughs> yeah, they are like, of course Matt Rude made this. I'm not, Rude. listen, Which, as, a, as, a, as a disclaimer, I, I do not drink with my students. I'm against that. I think that's terrible. Agreed. But that was a point that was brought up. But I think it's a fantastic book. I think it teaches a lot of things. We'll get into that later on. Right. But um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun read. So it, and, and it's not like a boring horror book it's more like we learn about different societies please continue yeah. good all right so uh, bear with us we will be right back after we take a brief commercial break 
300-ish pages and no, nobody's story really lasts for more than three or four pages. And so the, the narrator who Matt mentioned in the, the summary, he's kind of interviewing these people. He's going to all these different locations around the world um, and, and gathering these stories. So we all, each, each of us, kind of latched on to some that were our favorites and we wanted to, I don't know, highlight some of the interesting things that we interpreted from those moments. So I picked a story that is, uh, the scene is Troy, Montana, and the neighborhood, so this is from the text, the neighborhood is, according to the brochure, called the New Community for the New America, and it's based on a neighborhood, like an Israeli model. Um, it says it's clear from the first glance of this neighborhood that it was built with one goal in mind. The houses all rest on stilts so high as to afford each a perfect view over the 20 foot high reinforced concrete wall. Each house is accessed by a retractable staircase and can connect to its neighbor by a similarly retractable walkway. So if you can imagine this neighborhood is clearly developed as a way to protect for the, for the modern suburbia people to protect themselves from the zombies, right? So um, the text deals a lot with class. Class gets uh, reimagined in a lot of ways, especially like in some scenes later where people are taken down from like prestigious, you know, corporate or political positions just to like create supplies for war. Uh, but this piece in particular was really interesting about th this moment here in Montana it was interesting because it's showing um, the the fortified neighborhood in contrast with the everyday mind. So for example, the, the person narrating here starts, she says, oh, I was worried. I was worried about my car payments and Tim's business loan. I was worried about that widening crack in the pool and the new non-chlorinated filter that still left an algae film. And then she goes on and on. Uh, she's worried about her kid's math tutor and so forth. But eventually these folks end up getting attacked by zombies. And here, is I'm going to read you a passage straight from the text. If you're following Go for it. page 66. Okay. It had just gotten dark. The game was on. Tim was in the Barca lounger with a Corona. Aiden was in the floor playing with his ultimate soldiers. Jenna was in her room doing homework. Dun, dun, dun. Meanwhile, Jenna sent a photo of this to us when and she said, first read it. What the expletive is what I said. Yeah, yeah that was expletive. And uh, the dog is barking, blah, 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 and so forth. Um, this passage, like, it stands out because the zombie attacks. The husband comes out. He's got a gun, I think, right? But then we don't really know what happens. At the end of it, on the next page, she says, I know I freed Jenna. I remember that. Just a second later, Tim came in the room with thick black goo all over his shirt. He had a gun in one hand. Finn was leashed in the other. So the wife gets in the car and runs away, but then we never know what happens to the husband. Right. I mean, I would assume that he changes because if he's got goo on him, that means yeah. it's over for him. Not necessarily. I mean, there's different versions. As the zombie professional in this group, it doesn't mean necessarily that he got it, but he protected his family, mm -hmm. but he'll get it. He'll get He's done. Right. But, 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 but to me, what I love about Jenna's uh, point is, and her selection, it's before everything, and, and we'll talk about this later on, it's other countries. This is the first one where it comes to America and it brought, but not only comes to America, it comes to suburbia. 
it comes in the lily white, or, you know, whatever. It comes like the the nice sense of suburbia, right. and it breaks in, and you're like, oh shit, this could be me right now. <laughs> but that that I also really compelled, and it, I don't know if we're drawn to contemporary moments right now, but I'm compelled by this fortified infrastructure that contrasts with the really like mundane sense of worry. They're not really that worried. They build up a no. neighborhood that is a way to protect themselves, but then no one's really taking this, the threat seriously. 100%, 100%. Which is- I mean, it's, na it's I mean, what we, what we, I mean, as, as a child of the eighties, what we depend on is the neighborhood watch. That's bullshit. It's nothing. Now, later on, we, I, I won't get into it, but later on we find that neighborhood watch is transformed. But this is where they break into us. Mm -hmm. Matt, what's your passage? Man, it's tough, bro. I got I, 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 the one we talked about. But I also, I'm going to read the one I talked about. But I do want to also, maybe even not now, but later on, talk about the one about the root beer. You know what I mean? Like the, the ingredients. Of what? The ingredients of root beer. Why aren't we drinking root beer? Because I don't like root beer. I, love root beer. <laughs> I was surprised just just to back up. I mean, obviously, Kessler, Kessler, you go, you go. Obviously, the reason we're drinking Corona is because that's the you know one of the various names that have been given to this virus that we're dealing with right now. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But I had I had not going that when I was reading the book that Tim the character in the book is drinking a Corona. I mean, that's just, that's, that's perfect. It's, it's prophetic. It's prophetic. Prophecy. Prophecy. Right. So, so is that yours, Kessler? No. Jenna, He's reinforcing mine. All right, Kessler, you go to yours. Go to yours. Because I don't have one. Oh, all right. So I'll do it too. All right. So, uh, so the first one in this one, I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time on. But it says uh, it's uh, I think it's I think it's Tim also. No, it's Arthur Sinclair Jr. And he says uh, he says so much for talent. It's where he talked about how like it's the one where it's like people who are like major like making a million dollars being influencers in society are worthless. But people that can and actually the woman her remember the one with her the the maid. Her maid teaches her how to survive. She's in charge yes. of the group. Yeah. And he says, uh, he says, he's, he says this, so much for talent. Tools are the weapons of war and the industrial and logistical means by which these, those weapons are constructed. He, and this is a side. Uh, he swivels his chair, motions to a picture above his desk. I can lean closer and see it's not a picture of a frame. I can see it's a picture of a frame label. Ingredients. Molasses from the United States. Uh, anise, anise from Spain. Anise. anise from Spain. Licorice from France. Vanilla from Madagascar. Cinnamon from uh, uh, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. What page are you on? One forty-two. I'm reading it myself. Uh, cloves from Indonesia, wintergreen from China, pimento berry, pimento berry oil from Jamaica, uh, uh, pasama 
oil from Peru. And that's just a bottle of peacetime root beer. We're not even talking about a desktop PC or a nuclear power aircraft carrier. The point of that is everything we do is from our, our entire planet. Yeah. None of us has any like ability to bring something into it. We have to depend on each other. And that one quote, which shows up at the end as well, because the guy, the same guy offers them a root beer. That is powerful as fuck because right. we don't, we got to depend on it. Now, my favorite though, my favorite cousin is the, uh, it's uh, page 227, 226, 227. It is the master. It's this old guy. He's blind. He's been thrown away. He can't do anything. He becomes a gardener and he can't survive uh, because people just leave and he doesn't know what's going on. He's on this like plantation. Everybody's left out in Japan and he doesn't know anything about it, but he saves this guy. We may talk about it or may not this guy from Japan called Kondo. And, and as our narrator is listening to the conversation, it's such a, it's such a fantastic because this guy is, it, 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 I'll make this quick in the situation the 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 master if you're talking like any kind of like artist uh like um any kind of like thing like that like he says uh kondo who is the padawan let's say that he goes uh he he says uh he says it was it, no before that the the master's talking he goes it was still dark so he didn't notice me because he was walking and the man is blind and he's, he's fighting with the, uh, uh, the master's fighting with a, uh, a shovel. And the master's name is Tomonaga. Just, Thank you. Yeah. It was still dark. So he did not notice me. I could tell that his path would take him directly underneath the, the limbs of my tree. Meanwhile, he said before they could tell that it was not a zombie because a zombie has a senseless stink. So he smelled him and he goes, um, I crouched slowly, quietly. I wasn't sure if he was hostile, insane, or even recently bitten. I was taking no chances. And then the uh, the the thing he says at this point, Kondo chimes in. Chimes in. Kondo says he was on me before I knew it. My sword went flying. My feet collapsed under me. And then, how'd you say it, Kessler? Tomonaga. Tomonaga. Tomonaga yeah. says I landed between. I landed between his shoulder blades, not hard enough with any permanent damage, but enough to knock the wind out of his sight, out of his sight, uh, malnourished frame. Kondo says he had me on his stomach, uh, had me on my stomach, my face in the dirt, the blade of his shovel pressed tightly against the back of my neck. Uh, I told him to lay still that I would kill him if he moved. Kondo repeats. Or replies, I tried to speak, uh, gasping between coughs that I was friendly, that I didn't even know he was there, that all I want to do is pass along and be on my way. And Toma, how'd you say, Kessler? Tomonaga. Tomonaga says, I asked him where he was going. Kondo says, I told him, Numaro, the main, whatever, Hakado port evacuation, where there might still be one transport or one fishing boat or something that might be left to get me off this place. 
which we find out later on that like leaving the places out of the question. And his master says, I did not understand. I ordered him to explain. The Padawan says, I described everything, but the plague, the evacuation. I cried when I told him that Japan has been completely abandoned, that Japan was nigh. And then uh, the master said, and suddenly I knew. I knew why the gods had taken my sight, because he was blind in the beginning. Why they had sent me to this location to learn how to care for the land. Why they had sent a bear to warn me, because... If you go to the story, he's almost killed by a zombie, but but a but a bear, Kessler, shut the fuck up. But a bear, I can just see you laughing. But a bear warns him for it. And uh, Kondo says he began to laugh as he let me up and helped me brush the dirt from my clothing. The master says I told him that Japan had not been abandoned, not by those whom the god had chosen to be the gardeners which is a brilliant fucking thing, gardeners, which is his job. But that's a weak, I got you, weak sign. That's a weak sign of a person in a job. We consider that not to be high. And Kondo says, he began to laugh as he let me up and help me rush off. I told him that, the master says, I told him that Japan is a gardeners. Kondo says, at first I didn't understand. The master says, so I explained that, like any garden, Japan could not be allowed to wither and die. We would care for her. We would preserve her. We would annihilate the walking blight that infested and defied, defiled her, and we would restore her beauty and purity for the day uh, when her children would return to her. The Padawan replies, I thought he was insane. I told him, to, uh, I told him so right to his face. The two of us against a million of Safu, and that means uh, zombie in uh, Japan. And the master says, one of the greatest lines, I handed his sword back to him. Its weight and balance felt familiar to the touch. I told him, we might be facing 50 million non, we might be, we might be facing million monsters, but the monsters will be facing the gods. Ooh. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Um, so y'all skipped over me cause I didn't have a, a, you know, a, I didn't skip over shit. I asked you if you had something, you said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here and just tell you my little piece and then I'll step All away. Right. Fair enough. So I didn't have a favorite passage <clears throat> because as I was reading the, the book, all the characters and as Jenna pointed out, you know, the book is a, um, just a compendium of these vignettes. And, the, and, and we're hearing these first person accounts of um, these characters' experiences of the zombies. And I was disappointed that each character didn't have his or her own voice. I did not hear separate characters. I just heard, you know, the author, uh, Brooks giving us these accounts of these different characters, but there's really no change in the voice. They all sound the same to me. They all read the same to me. And that was a major disappointment for me as a reader, that there wasn't more. Um, and again, I mean, there like are dial, they're the like 70, they're like 75 different characters in this book. And right. to be able to develop each and every one of those characters would be a, a yeoman's task. Impossible. But I just didn't feel like any of these characters had their own unique voice. 
and I just didn't get drawn into their individual stories because of that. And but, on that in that same one, I, something that I think might have helped is if there had been some better interconnectedness between the characters. Like if we had there, occasionally someone would mention something that another character had written or just or like a as, as a oh the leader of whoever you know they'd mention them but because there was no continuity even between like the characters having a relationship with each other so that's why i i felt a little conflicted about what the book says it's going to do because in the introduction matt that you laid out the guy who is the interviewer or who works for the un or whatever he claims that he's presenting this uh like compilation of humanity he's including the human factor but i i felt like it was a little weak on that end it, it was the the i mean I, I think when we took our break we were talking about the idea of quantity versus quality he at least showed the effect of the mass effect of like your root beer example that this like a plague or a, a a pandemic or whatever you want to call it would have on humanity, but he didn't really give us many great examples of like the individual. But but can I but can I add to that? So like there there is there is more continuity between the characters, such as Kondo, who is the person that I read about, is the kid yeah. from Japan who is a gamer and can't or, or maybe not gamer. He's like Neo from the Matrix. But like he can't, but that's the same guy. He finds a sword and that's a sword that I just mentioned. Also, there are moments later on, particularly in Goodbye, which is the last section, where there's a character that mentions he knew a character. Now it's a cheap play, but he mentions a character from early on. Yeah. Um, so, he mentions, go ahead, Kessa. I'm just saying by the end of the, uh, by the end of the book, there is sort of the, the attempt to tie together some loose ends by knitting some of these narratives together, but there's, but so little of the book is devoted to that. I think for, to, uh, for Jenna to, to feel like it, there's this, um, I don't know that there's this, what larger tapestry that yeah. each of these narratives are sort of feeding into. I agree. Um, but Kessler, I don't mean to interrupt. Can I, can I jump on your point though, about the different voices? Yeah. It, it you're right. It doesn't have the same dialect, but what if it's a person who is just recording things and then having to rewrite it for like a UN situation where they're just putting it in their own voice? Yes. So that, is there any benefit to that? No, there is. Um, so, you know, I mean, I watch a lot of cable news, um, a lot of political stuff, a lot of, uh, um, you know, courtroom sort of drama as well. And, these uh, proceedings are transcribed. So right. this reads something like a transcription, right? Where- Which the, it is, which it yeah, is. Which, which it is, you're right, which it is. And so I guess you can reclaim the narrative in that way. Um, I just don't wanna read, I'm okay with listening to a brief passage on the news of a transcription of a court proceeding or you know, a political debate but I don't want to read a 300 page book that is just that dry, um, you know, sort of a uh, featureless transcription of individuals who I, I want to, I want to, 
the only way that for me that this book is going to really work is if I feel like I'm inside these characters for those brief moments where we're with them and I'm feeling that anxiety. I'm feeling that, that sense of, you know, isolation and frustration and anger and, and, you know, I mean, all the stuff that these characters are feeling. I just don't feel that as a reader. Now, I will say my okay, last little point I, about I this, my last little point about this is the danger in taking my approach would be to turn these characters into stereotypes and to turn their um, their their voices into you know like as you mentioned dialects. Um, so there is a danger in going in my direction, but I think there there would have been a happy medium in the narrative if there would have been just some moments where the writer gives us a little bit of taste of what this character sounds like and then can move back into sort of the the transcription i don't disagree with that i don't disagree with that but it's it, like i mean have you read train spotting yeah i haven't i haven't read the book no have you tried it's impossible. No, uh-uh. Right. I mean, I've, I've read plenty of... I mean, I've read... Uh, I mean, Twain did it right. Yeah. Twain did it Twain did it right. He he did in a way, and I get you on that, but, like, if you try to get too heavy in the dialect itself, I think it's... Right, but, I, but, there's, but there's none of that in this book. There's none dialect, of that. I just it's wish not. there was a little bit of... Uh, just a little bit of seasoning. But, I but what if... Dialects. Dialects are than voice. Huh? Dialect for me is very different than voice. I don't think he's missing something. I know it's a transcription, so obviously dialect would matter. But Matt, when we were talking about this before, when we were just briefly discussing, we were talking about that one woman who is the the uh, the sky catcher, the meds. Yeah, and you said it sounds like a dude was just writing like for a woman. Her voice. Um. Well, no. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. What I said is there are certain scenes that feel like it could be seen as a guy, which is the writer not understand or being a little bit too much about, hey, you need to be careful, but it's a woman to a woman. I get, I know, Jen, I understand what you're saying. What I'm but saying more of. Thing. Sometimes it felt like every single character was Max Brooks, dialect or not. It was just. Right. But look, but let's take Max Brooks out of this argument. Let's put this is a UN guy sent to write a story about survival. Then he did trying a really to make it. Job. He said at the beginning, "This is not my story. This is their story." He said, "Agreed, agreed." But he's trying to send it worldwide to the only people that have survived. And English is the most proper English is what most people read. But I, yeah, yeah. I know I. It, you can yeah, still have know. character development oh. in proper English, but different characters. I'm showing well, character our, development. I think is there. I'm showing this book called The Wake. Okay. Why is Kessler plugging things? Because this is a great <laughs> book, number one. But it's written as if it were in Old English. Okay. No one's read that shit. I've read I it did. in Old English. It was oh, great. I God. did. But dude, I had to do Old English for Hodge class. It was ridiculous. I know, but this is. Once you get like 20 pages in to this book, you really, that, that sort of granular detail of this character is not just voice, but actual, I mean, it's, it's a, a hybridization of what old English would have been like back in 1066. Um, but 
the language and the voice and the dialect all work together to really get you into the narrative. And I just think yes, that sir. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying Z is missing that. There's there's two different arguments we have. The the argument is did Max Brooks mess it up by not having the dialect? I got you. But if we have forget Max Brooks, the narrator from the UN would have been publishing a book to make people that survived this fucking horrible situation be able to identify in a clean way to read. So for me, it's more of the fiction aspect of the character going, hey, this is the best way I can send this to you. Yeah. Because his boss told him, don't, I don't care about this. Right. So he's trying to publish it. But I will agree with you on Kessler. It would have been better with a little bit. But I will say that, that there are some moments that do feel like the, the old fucking uh, Japanese guy with the thing. It feels there is some dialect, not, I mean, I'm saying, you know, linguistically due to his, his, it's not like you don't have to interpret it, but it does feel like it's written in a different way. It's quick, fast, it's more spiritual. But, so there are moments that do that. Can you, but I have two points. Can you really get attached to a character in three pages? That's the, that's but the they're not all, can you develop a, not a dialect, not, can you develop a character in three pages? No. But they're well, not all three pages. What about the chapter about the woman that went to Canada? That's a long ass story. Right. Huh? <laughs> she didn't like, remember. There were so many, like, okay. If you that wasn't three pages, that was like seven, eight, ten, twelve. Okay, pages. still, it feels just. I mean, the strategy for the book is just odd. Even if you take Max Brooks out and think about the narrator as a researcher, instead, it's like he. If if you think about it in that sense, he included every piece of research rather than including the specific ones that would compel the audience. If he had had ten characters instead of a hundred. Then literally, well, he doesn't have a hundred characters, right? It's about 70. I mean, but it's about 70, 75, something like that. Yeah, it's, right. a it's, lot. Not, that, it's not that many characters, <laughs> it's like 30 characters top. Y'all, no, way too no. Big. they repeat, they all repeat. At and, the very you know, yeah. Well, so no, something no. like 50. It could be if just to compromise, something like 50. 50, <laughs> let's compromise, which I think is ridiculous. But go ahead. Of those and, and, and really honed in on 10 voices, I would have been more compelled as a reader because I would have felt like, oh, wait, let me get back to Linda or whoever. You know, like, but, I would have been able but, to better. Go for it, man. But how, ma but, but how many countries does he cover? There's not 10 countries. There's That's a shitload of countries that he also covers. Well, let me let me segue because we've been fighting about this for too long. You know, I'm teaching for the first. Well, this time is the fun part. About the same <laughs> point at a different point. No, it's In a good argument, but please continue. Of next year, I am teaching world literature for the first time. Just teach and I really world. like to theme my classes. And the last one, I, I've never done world literature before, and so I thought, you know, a global pandemic would be a really interesting um, lens. Uh, so I don't, I don't really know what text would go with it, but I thought, well, what, how could we include infection or something as our, our theme? This book wouldn't obviously work because it's 
a piece of American literature and it's a lot longer text that you wouldn't, I think it would probably be too long to include in a world lit class. I also don't know if it would be a great representation of all of the countries that it tries to include. Or okay. does it lean into the stereotypes? Does right. it? I'm gonna let Kessler follow, but I got well, a point. Please this is go. sort of a tangential to your point. Um, so I had my negative on the, on the book, which is that I don't, you know, I, I don't get a sense of the voices the different personalities of these characters. Uh, and for me, as a reader, that's crucial. So that's sacrificed because maybe it's a transcription and you know, that's an interesting um, sort of tension in, in the, the narrative. Um, but a thing that I thought was maybe a positive aspect of the book was that um, the book was trying to give us an entertaining um, context. So, uh, you know, a worldwide pandemic and panic, and it's sort of uh, contextualized in this idea of, of zombies. Um, but I think the core of what Max Brooks is trying to do is to use the narrative as a conduit to teach his readers about history and Agreed. sociology and Agreed. some of the main features of these different countries that we visit in the, in the book. Yeah. Like so North we, Korea, like North yeah. Korea with the cave and we don't know where it's going to come out. Yeah. How their so, soldiers are willing to fight. And I think he even mentions like, if you give a kid a weapon, they're, they're militarized mentally. Well, and, and Kessler, I'm going to jump back. No, in North Korea, they all went into a cave. Yeah. In North Korea, they all went inside a cave. And at the end of the book, in the chapter goodbye, one guy talks about they're afraid to open up the door to the cave because what if it is a, a million North Koreans or a million fucking zombies coming out? Right. Because the North Koreans were so scared, they just put it in. Whereas Israel built walls and only let, mm -hmm. only let certain Israel, like, like if, yeah. if Palestinians, Jews of any level inside it, and they actually protected themselves. Yes. So, um, so again, you're getting features of the sort of Israeli mindset mm -hmm. through the how they deal with the the zombies, right? Build a wall, yeah. um, which they should in general with what they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. But then also, I mean, another another example of that is um, I, I think it's there a, a couple of um, segments that focus on the French. And the French go into their catacombs, um, right, and right, to, right, right? Yeah, and try to try to you know survive in sort of this underground city, which does exist in Paris. Um, and that's just again another feature of the narrative, where as a reader you learn some facts about these countries mm -hmm. um, and sort of the geopolitics of today. Um, using this sort of fictional narrative about zombies. And I thought that was um, a redemptive quality of the book. So again, I wasn't engaged as a reader, but as someone who is interested in geopolitics and um, sort of history, um, I felt like the book was able to represent that fairly well. Well, and, and that's why, that's how the French resistance survived. Yeah. During the Hitler, during the Nazi era, they went into the catacombs to create the French resistance. And that is sort of, that's sort of a repeated element in the book, right? So I, I just think that was, by, by the end of the book, what I felt was galvanizing my interest was 
how much of what we're getting in the book is actual, you know, history is actually based on, you know, sociology and how much is he again, crafting for his narrative. And I, th I just thought that was, uh, no, I get it. You know, as a reader, that was what was, was interesting to me. By the that's that's solid point. That's solid argument. So, Jenna, what word can you? Well, the capper on that. I, I I don't know enough about anything globally. <laughs> Why would you so, say that? No, I'm. <laughs> Why would you say that? Like, no. I let me put it this way. Nobody does. If if you pretend like you know how politics work in each of the countries that he mentions. Yeah, we don't. What I, what my. Where is Kessler, bro? Adjusting his what? mic. Everybody else is dark in their Zoom little box. I haven't left, y'all. I haven't done anything. Kessler keeps walking off. Please, Janet, continue. I'm saying like two things. First of all, when the is uh, when Israel was like the smart ones, I was like, is this guy like Christian revelations? Like he's Jewish. No, no. Is he Jewish? No, he is, but, 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 okay. but, but, all right, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I got a point on it. Please continue. Two, so like, the, what I do, I mean, what I know is America. Sorry. I don't really know about politics in Brazil. To we'll be talk about how he represented America. No, the way he represented America did lean into the stereotypes of freedom loving, of, um, uh, politicians who aren't willing to uh, uh, make make decisions because it's an election year, et cetera, and so forth. Which we yeah, are. Seeing I agree. As re I mean, stereotypes usually are built on some version of truths, obviously. But what my fear was when seeing his the representation of America as leaning on stereotypes is that he might be doing that in the other representations of other countries. Right. So I'm, I'm not saying that he's going in depth into the, again, the socio-political yes. uh, his, history of these separate. I mean, there's just too much for right. that to happen. Um, but I, 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 again, what redeems the book for me is that there, there is this little um, sort of, you get some knickknacks from each country, right? And so if the, if the narrative is not going to use uh, vo the voices of these characters, to get me into um, the drama of the story. Um, as a reader, I can find another way to be interested. And I think these little sort of cultural knickknacks that he puts into the story are, you know, something that you can, you know, as a reader, you can sort of um, use them as dots to plot a graph, right? Yeah, I, I and make something out of it. Now, I agree. Um, but just, no furniture. No, right. Yeah, yeah. So, but. I was gonna. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say one, one, one final thing. Again, I, I think, obviously, it's a fictional book. It certainly does um, have more bearing on us today than it did when it was first written in what twenty two thousand seven. Two thousand six, I think. Um, but I think his, I think his mission is to, to teach a little bit with with the book. I really do think his goal in writing the book is to teach history, to teach politics to teach sociology i agree to a, i agree a wider classroom using fiction using entertainment that's i think that was the ultimate goal is it also a warning about i don't know for our times yeah okay it, well, i agree we, it's to teach history it's to lean on history to anticipate and imagine future 
but yeah. is it, uh, it is, it, it, does that mean then that like, I mean, okay, maybe we should use some, a concrete example like uh, the, uh, the placebo drug. Phallus. Phallus, yeah. Phallus. So in the, in the novel, there's this placebo drug and the government knows it's a placebo and the pharmaceutical companies know that it's a placebo, but they sell it to people anyway to alleviate, you know, the panic, I guess. And what is interesting about it is there are lots of people in our current pandemic who anticipate that any sort of uh, vaccination that might come out will have been, you know, manipulated by the government to, you know, chip us with the 666 and all that stuff. So, Jason okay. has the six. Well, no, I mean, I think this is a great place to transition. I don't even know how to do it. This is a doing. great place to transition to our third act. <laughs> so let's yeah, right. we take a break. Yeah. And fit in another commercial um, commercial. And then we will come back for our third segment where we uh, connect our text to a context. And in this case, it will be, um, yeah, our own sort of pandemic that we're dealing with. Oh, uh, this should be fun. Okay. So we, we'll be right back. Um, we ended our discussion of the book on an interesting note, which sort of a, a transition to the context which Jenna was bringing up um, this drug in the book called phalanx which is a placebo right. which is there just to give the you know the people of the world hope that there's a way to survive the zombies right. um, and that you know sort of fits with what we've been dealing with uh, particularly here in America mm. um, trying to survive COVID-19 um, in fairly the fairly early days of our pandemic there was um, a drug that's originally used to treat malaria called hydrochloroquine um, that some, you know, scientists thought maybe could be, you know, useful for combating COVID-19. And um, there was, you know, weeks, if not a couple months. I mean, even recently, um, our president has been talking about, you know, he took it mm -hmm. and that he thinks it could be something that could be helpful. Um, if given at the right doses, if given at the right time. So we have our own phalanx, right? We're dealing with a president who is a, basically a snake oil salesman, right? And he's been selling this hydrochloroquine. And there's been sort of different theories as to why he's so sort of 100% in on this thing. Maybe he's going to make, maybe he's making some money off of this. We don't know. But that's our phalanx. Hydrochloroquine is our phalanx, Jenna. We have a second... I just want to say, I don't know how Jenna does that, but go ahead, please. <laughs> no, that. Yeah, I don't know how you did you the, send a reaction. the reactions. Reactions. Right, we have a second please. phalanx that's not really a phalanx, which is masks. People oh. seem to believe that the idea of wearing a mask in America is equivalent to, I've heard, quote, communist China. Like the idea that we're being sheep controlled to purchase, use, whatever, a mask. Um, and and who, meanwhile, meanwhile you know, all our masks are from China. Please not mine. Mine was made right here in the good old US of A. Mine was in China. I don't give a fuck. Somebody's <laughs> <Timmy's laughs> also not uh, on it. Yeah. I but don't who, give who a gave, fuck. Who gave Americans that impression? That Donald 
Trump. The president, who's and also been pushing hydrochloroquine, right? So, I mean, he's, right. he's just, he's diseased in the brain, right? Well, well he also, he, he's no, already right. been bitten by the zombies. He's diseased. He's, he's just really slow well, and turning. Well, the, the, uh, but he also has company uh, aspects or company uh, prospects with that company that makes hydrochloric. Right. So he's making money off of this. No, that's that's the thing about it is he's making money with it. At least I don't know if I'm wrong. I'm gonna fuck. Sue me. Shit, I'm dead. I'm dead tomorrow, most likely. But like he, he he's literally been. He is tied to that company that's been promoting it. Okay. So it's just darkness every level. But Can the I phalanx thing, but the phalanx thing, let me add this. Let me just explain the phalanx thing really quick. I know Jenna did a good job. So there was one guy, one main guy, Breck, the uh, Strangring, whatever his name is. And he created the phalanx idea. He knew it wouldn't work because what it said was it's, it's about rabies, right? Mm -hmm. He said it's about rabies, and that's not exactly, but they called it, and here's the thing, they called it the uh, Chinese rabies, or they yeah. tried the, whatever it was, they called it the, it's not, no, the African rabies. So he sold it, and then he ended up, I got you, he ended up in, uh, he, he lives in Antarctica, and at the end of the story, not for a spoiler, but let's just say sh things are about to go bad for him. Right. He's like a, uh, you know, the, the Farmo guy, Screlly. Remember, remember, right. remember the name of that guy? Peter Screlly. Well, actually, well, actually he's an asshole and fuck him. And I hope he dies, but he was actually, but he was actually, if you watch the documentary on Netflix, he was actually played by a guy who actually ran the entire company that made him the face of it because that guy didn't want to be the face of it. That's actually a completely true thing. Huh. Do y'all know anyone? You don't have to name names. I'm not asking for that. But um, do y'all know anyone who's actually contracted COVID-19? Oh, yes. 100%. Sure do. We're okay. not 100%. But, yes, I do know people that have COVID. I've known people that have that have gotten through it, and it's it's still bad. Right. It's still bad. Like, it's still – their lungs are fucked up. Their stomach is fucked up. It's just bad. You know, I have one more perfect parallel. Uh, I don't know what that means. And I think we could, um, <laughs> so in the, um, the novel, Matt, you're going to have to remind me, there was a plan in which some people were left behind for the zombies to attack. So that's it's the radical, it's, it's the radical plan. Yeah. So there was this like, it's a radical plan. I, I, I sometimes like jot down words when I'm reading like uh, big ideas and something I wrote down was sacrifice when I was reading this book. Cause the idea, like the concept of who gets sacrificed for whom was interesting. And in the book, you know, it has this whole uh, saga where some folks get left behind, like I said, for the zombies to attack and to distract. So these other people escape. Um, the parallel that I would make between that moment and our contemporary moment is this idea of, only X amount of people are going to die. So it's worth it to uh, a open schools. We literally had the um, Betsy DeVos say, uh, she yeah, gave a percentage. This is how many children are at risk to die. 
she, she made that point, but that's not been the only comparison that's been made that way. Other people have talked about like, well, this amount of the population's at risk, but look what will happen if the economy closes. And other comparisons have been made. I'm seeing people saying, if we don't open schools, um, child abuse is gonna go unreported. If we don't let people go back to work, domestic violence is gonna go through the roof. My question in those situations is, when did it become the job of your employer or an educator to make sure that what's going on in your home is, kosher like when did it become a kindergarten teacher's job to not only teach your kid to read but also make sure that i mean i know teachers do that because they're good people but that's actually not the responsibility of these of, of our society is to make sure that your household is running all right so that sounds cold and i don't mean for it to at all but no but well, have you heard of the panopticon yeah because it is the panopticon panopticon I have no idea. So our, our, our listeners can go to Panopticon, yeah. but one way society keeps prevalent what people are doing is to get them out into, you know, to bring them out into schools and, you know, shopping malls and, you know, doctor's appointments and all those things are ways to keep people um, or, or to give people the impression that they're being, they're being watched, right? They're being observed. Yes. And I need to be on my best behavior. So if you strip away those points of contact between people and give them an incentive to be good, decent people, then the fear is that, you know, that they'll resort to their sort of uh, darker natures. Well, can I give just one point on that? And this is going to be, is this is going to be, I've gotten into, I'm about to, as I've told Jenna and, and uh, Kessler, I'm about to delete my Facebook because I keep getting the fights. First off, online teaching is not the worst thing ever. I know this has nothing to do with the fucking book, but let me just say this and make it fucking clear. It's not the worst thing ever. So you're going to send me into a classroom with a bunch of fucking kids and we are college teachers. Every kid I know is a knucklehead. They're just shitty like I was. So we have the ability to at least do our job online without risking ourselves and without risking the other 25 fucking kids that you are parents of. It's bullshit. Hey, man, I agree. Again, we have abilities I, to do it. I, I don't know about uh, high school, middle school. I can't argue that, but we are trained to do it. And well, fuck some of us are, some of us aren't, but I would say that at least we have the capacity. We have the capacity to teach online. If you have that option, it's why not that are difficult. you forcing? It sucks. It's why are you difficult. forcing us to teach in person? Why aren't you giving us a choice? So some some instructors, some college professors do want and even need to teach face to face in some of those like lab courses. I love face to face. Somebody has right. to be yeah. there. Yeah, we all we, we, we all love even though just, online teaching is fell not, off my chair. Even though we all we all love face to face is the best way to go. We get it, but we have the ability to do it online so that the goddamn virus doesn't get to it. Because some fucking knucklehead shows up in my class without I'm not gonna wear a mask. Everybody in the class is now infected. Right, that's what this book is about. Is that it is worth sacrificing. The ideology is that somebody is worth sacrificing for us to be able to have these. The economy. Know. The economy. Yeah. The and, economy. And, oh, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
We have to be careful and, because we all still want to be employed. Sure. Well, I don't. Right. I, I, doesn't, I, I got about three but, more months. But, but we know, life. we recognize but, that our health is being put on the, I mean, I'll just say it, our health is being put on the line so that the, in our, in our cases, the, the system, the university system can sustain itself. By but, 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 but this is the argument, and I'm with you, Jenna, this argument I get into all the time. Go ahead. What? We have the ability, as you said, to be able to do it. Okay, it's not the same impact to face-to-face, but we have the ability to teach your kids for the same credits to be able to get the job done and do it without all of us being affected. It doesn't make any fucking sense at all, no sense at all, that we're being forced into a room. I mean, who? everybody, all right, so all these people... We've all been in a, 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 a classroom, a public classroom, and uh, we've all been in a, cl- a public classroom. It's small and tight. One kid shows up, 23 kids have a mask, one doesn't. I just, that one kid has infected the rest of us. Right, yeah. Just then, like the zombies. I'm, I'm real weak. And you don't even have to get bitten, right? I'm in the book, sure the zombies I'm have I'm to bite. I'm pretty sure I'm not. Right? In this pandemic, yeah, all you got to do is get breathed on. And I remember this was several years ago, but I was walking through campus and a student was walking by me and sneezed right into my face. And I made a joke about it in class that I had been a victim of a walk by sneezing. But then (laughs) a couple days after that, I got sick. Right? And now it was was not with COVID, but that's that's going to happen. In all happen. fairness, in all fairness, Kessler is terrified by cockroaches. Please. Oh yeah, I don't, okay. I don't like them. That's another. That's another story. I, I just want to read a quote. A, a quote. A tweet. Oh, a okay. Twitter. Okay. A, I'll stop there. Um, now that we have witnessed, on a large scale basis and firsthand, virtual learning has proven to be terrible compared to in school or on campus learning. Not even close. Schools must be open in the fall. If not open, why would the federal government give funding? It won't. Three exclamation points. No, but online okay. teaching, Donald online Trump. teaching yeah. can still be done. But Donald but. Trump says it is terrible, not even close. If not open, why would the federal government give funding? Well, because Trump knows that he, 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 the economy's down. The only way the economy the gets up. Day, said this isn't covid related but i just want people to know he said university and school systems are about radical left indoctrination not education therefore i'm telling the treasury department to re-examine their tax exempt status right so on the one hand he's saying kids have to go back to school on the other hand he's saying google is a terrible place right i mean he's not consistent he's a he's an idiot that was the same day those tweets were made on the same day so we're dealing with that on exactly. top of a legitimate pandemic, on top of, I don't know if we said this yet, but Donald Trump tweeted that wearing a mask now, four months into the pandemic, he qu- is, quote, patriotic at this point. Right. Before, it was, he had not been seen in a mask, except, I think it was the first time a couple weeks ago. Am I right, y'all? Uh, publicly. There was a picture of him. He was at a Ford plant. He had the black uh, mask. Yeah, he had the black mask. But before he that, he had not been photographed in a mask. He had not yeah. worn a mask 
for any reason. Right. So well, he know, he just he just canceled a uh, uh, the Republican convention right. in Florida because he's scared as fuck about it. Good. Now I want to I, I let me say this. Let me say this to our listeners. I want to say this. I generally do not bring fucking politics into it. I don't like to talk about it. Whereas uh, Jenna and Kessler, yeah, they do. But I'm scared for my life. So anybody listening to this, I don't give a fuck who you vote for or any of that. If you want to back Trump, that's fine. Understand that I'm scared for myself. Yeah. And I consider myself a decent teacher at, at least. Or at best, I don't know. But like, no, but but it's like, I mean, we can do the job. Just trust us. You trust the fucking doctors and nurses to do the job. We're not all of you because you're full of shit because you don't well, listen to what your fucking doctor, if your doctor's like, yeah, your balls have fucking cancer, then you're like, oh, I have a problem. <laughs> um, but, but like, but you listen to this and you're like, oh, I don't need a mask. Oh, well, okay, that's cool. Can I, Let us do our fucking job and shut the fuck up. Please, yes. Can I interject now? So, Jenna just showed a cat. She won't show a, because she's afraid of can her. I, can I just say there's, a, there's, there's an issue that I have, and this is language related. Um, we should start doing this. For our, we should start doing this podcast. We should do this every day. We may set up for our future podcast, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, I am enjoying this very much. It relates to education, it relates to science. I'd like um, to see Maddie. Please I had, uh, I had, uh, I've been noticing, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's always been the lingo, but um, pe- uh, people using the word belief in context that that word doesn't apply. And it also, if you use it, it gives your interlocutor who may not agree with you, it gives them an easy out, right? So, um, what do you mean? Explain what an interlocutor The person that you're speaking you're speaking. I'm with. just saying. I'm just yeah, saying. The person that you're speaking with. Yeah. So, um, you know, no doubt there's been people who've said, I don't believe in wearing a mask. Or the, the converse of that is, I believe that wearing a mask can help save lives, right? In that context, I think the word belief or believe is ill suited because it makes it a matter a matter of faith, um, a matter of something that's not scientific, right? Um, and I just think that we should be a little bit more careful. Opinion uh, I think is another To, to remove that word that is connected with faith, take that out of discussions that aren't faith-based. Now, if you if you want to believe that you know God's going to save us or save you individually from the pandemic because you're you know a Bible beating uh, Christian that goes to church every day, you can you can do that, right? I mean that's where belief fits mm-hmm. um, linguistically. But if you, as we I think all three of us would, if you argue that people ought to be wearing masks and mask wearing ought to be mandatory in public, using the word belief is, you're cutting yourself off at the knees, right? Because that gives the other person who may disagree with you um, an out, an easy out. And I just think we should try to monitor our use of that word belief when we're having discussions that don't relate to religion. Right, right. So I, continue please well that, that's just a feature of our 
discussions these days that relate to educators, that relate to your doctors, where expertise is no longer valued. That it's just what I think, what I feel, what I believe is the most important. And I, I just think we should short circuit. We should short circuit those that that type of discussion. Right. So I was raised Southern Baptist, uh, Methodist, and Catholic. And right now, you y'all never see this because Jenna didn't wear makeup. But um, I have a Saint Jude. That is my Saint Jude. Saint Jude is my family saint. That is what we believe in. I believe in St. Jude. Everybody just left. <laughs> like, what just happened? So, I wanted to show my charm. I wanted to show my charm since nobody's going to see this. Well, well, no, I have a St. Jude. I mean, I pray to St. Jude every night. But that is nothing compared to wearing a goddamn fucking mask. Like, where – it doesn't make any sense. I, no, I, I'm agreeing. No, I agree with Kessler. Like, this is just something that makes me feel good at night. And I am belief all the way, like, oh, St. Jude, love you. But at the same time, put a goddamn fucking – don't do it for you. Do it for the other people. Right. Yeah. Do it for the other people. Do it because you're a nice fucking person. And not to bring it back to the text, but if people in this text would have been aware, instead of, like, hiding shit from the government, hiding things, they would have – gotten through it easier right so um i mean again if we're sort of bringing it back to the text a little bit we had mentioned in our our sort of planning discussion that there's a section of the the book where we're following these families up into canada right and they're escaping that's the a good that, story because it's going to freeze sure. in canada and the zombies freeze and they can at least have you know some respite the winter in order to figure things out um and so this uh, this family makes it to uh, Canada, and they find um, you know just a collection of other you know folks who have escaped, and they're making this little community. Um, and what happens in that community is that the zombies don't get them, but they turn on each other, right? Exactly. So we're seeing that in a sense happening in our own experience of this pandemic, is that <laughs> in, in, that in some ways we are. Turning, we're turning on each other, and that's, I mean, I don't want to say that's worse in the grand scheme of things than the virus itself, but that is a virus of another sort that is eventually going to um, result in taking lives. And, and, I, and I want to jump on what Kessler's saying. So to me, the entire point, the beauty of zombie movies is it has nothing to do with zombies. So if you watch Walking Dead, if you watch like uh, four, uh, 20 Days Later, if you watch Night of Living Dead, which Romero wrote, it's nothing to do with zombies. Zero to do with zombies. That's just this monster or this fear or this thing coming at you. It's about how people treat each other. And so right now we're in this weird situation to where we are not – treating each other in a positive light because we're so scared that we we've, we've created these different like the uh, tribes against each other we gotta fucking forget all that man just forget all that we're together we all fall together our grandfathers fall together our grand uh, our great grandfathers our great grandmothers we did the best and we did what we can but we've got to 100 percent back each other 
and just it's not about the fear it's about how we promote we're the shittiest country ever hey in terms of what's going on now in terms of what's going on now we are not the best country we are the ones where every day it's worse yeah i mean shit man just like i mean my whole family are conservative just like in republicans all the way my my dad and my uncle fought in vietnam Except for hey, listen, yeah, that's speaking true. of speaking of worst countries ever, let's evaluate this book. Is this the worst book ever? Or what grade? We're doing grades now. Grade was you? I, I swear to God, I give this an A plus all the way, hundred percent. A plus. A plus. That's a compared to what's I've I taught this last semester. My students, let me let me say this. My students, when I, I taught this, uh, it was our third book at the end of spring of uh, 2020, and my students thought that I had created the coronavirus. Maybe you did. Are you a Chinese bat? Well, I mean, I've, I've dated a lot of girls. I can't <laughs> argue. I mean, I've got, I can't judge what Spalding's, Spalding's? That's not right. Okay. But, uh, give it. What would you give it? Um, I give it an A plus plus. Jenna, what would Jenna give? B minus. Why? Uh, I I give it. I feel like I've shit on the wall already. What? Right. Why it passes is the. You shit on the wall. <laughs> is that what you said? <laughs> Jenna's favorite movie is Kissing Booth Booth Two. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Can I say this? If, yes. If I if it wasn't a pandemic right now. I would not have liked this book at all. But but you can't, but Jenna, you can't throw that in there. You have to throw yeah. it in when you read can, it. This is my opinion. This is my belief. I don't give a fuck. You got to throw it in when you read it. I read it you just read now. It right now. It was still in the pandemic, and I was like, whoa. Right, right, right. So, so, so if you want, if you read Uncle Tom's Cabin in like night in seventeen hundreds. Which, granted, it wasn't written in. It was 18. I know, I know. No, it was 18, like 60. But if you, but you read it during a time where this shit is happening. Yes, and so that's its one redemptive quality. That in. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. If it's got one redemptive quality, it gets a B minus from you. Wow, that's a great inflation right there. C minus. B minus. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you said B minus. You got a 70. Okay, so can I split the diff? Can I split the diff? Yeah. Give no, it I'm with B minus B minus C plus. Okay. And and honestly, it it, it, How dare it, you. it it's it's straddling the line because Matt sort of convinced me that the text is written as uh, as uh, um, oh shoot trans it's a, it's a transcript, right? Yeah. And so that in yeah, some yeah, ways yeah. redeems Max Brooks's um, choice to. Um, you know, not really have a lot of uh, unique voices in the in the text is that it's a transcript, and so uh, I'll I'll give them points for that. But again, it's it's a it's a B it's an eighty. It's a B B minus C plus. The Handmaid's Tale is also a transcript. I just want to point out out there. I haven't read that yet though. So no, I'll, that's I'll, not I'll, a transcript. It is. It's okay. Um, can no. I just say speaking? Can I just say speaking of transcripts? Mm-hmm. This is a transition to our next podcast, but. Uh, the idea for the next podcast is to play a game as our podcast, 
the game is called Stet, S-T-E-T. And it is a uh, copy editor's um, notation, which means keep as is or let stand, um, that the author of the piece that's being edited has um, used language in a interesting or unique or ungrammatical way, but on purpose. And so that use of language should remain in the text. It's not a mistake, right? It's not an error. It's there on purpose. Um, what did Kessler oh, just say? Huh? I completely. I know. It's over. We're over. <laughs> out. Been, he made it this far. I've been, look, bro, I've been, I've been down. It's a I long. I know, man. You've been out the last 20 minutes, but you made it. <laughs> did it. Yeah. I've been out. Please. I was okay, with so, y'all five uh, hours ago. Don't act like that. Thanks got, for, um, no, no, no. Thanks for sticking with us. It's been a few months since our last podcast. And um, we're going to try to, uh, you know, get together again, hopefully soon. And we'll have some continued episodes of the drinklings so have a good one and we'll talk with you later. yeah we're gonna play a game it's gonna be dope Evan, i'm getting a bottle of rumple turn on the